<laughs> you all are so kind. Um, I'm so honored to be able to share um, this morning uh, with you all. And um, it's just such a privilege to um, always share and be able to um, unpack and uh, preach God's word uh, in front of such amazing people. Um, I have to uh, honor um, my Minnesota mentor who's here, Pastor Laurel Bunker. It's so good that you're here today. Can we give it up for my Minnesota mentor? I said, you're preaching in February, you just don't know it yet. So anyway, um, just excited that she's here. Um, hey, can you do me a favor? Can we stand for the word uh, today? We're going to look at Philippians 1, 15 through 20. I'll try to read it fast so, you're, so you won't get tired, okay? I'll try to read fast. Here we go. Philippians 1, 15 through 20. All right, you ready? Say, I'm ready. All right. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. Have you ever had someone cause you trouble? All right. Listen to what Paul says. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now as always with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Jesus be glorified in your name. Amen. Hey, before you sit down, before you sit down, I'm going to ask you to do something that we do in the chocolate church, all right? Um, I'm going to ask you to say to the person next to you, hey, you can have joy. Come on, say, you can have joy in opposition. Okay, look at another person and tell them, you can have joy in opposition. All right, all right. Okay, have a seat. You can have joy in opposition. Opposition is a part of life. If you haven't faced opposition in your life yet, just keep living. You will. Opposition is defined as um, resistance or dissent to express an action or, or argument. Opposition can also be defined as a group of adversaries or competitors some of us either face opposition, have gone through opposition, or will go through opposition. It's just what's going to happen. You will face opposition. But here's the good news this morning. You can have joy while facing opposition. We're continuing our series, Joy in Jail, and uh, this semester, and maybe next semester as well, President Graham and I will look or 
and, and continue to look and walk through the book of Philippians. Um, and we'll lift lessons uh, along the way that will teach us how to be joyful in difficult situations. Remember, Paul is writing this, this paragraph of scripture and then just the whole book from jail. He was in prison unjustly, yet he remained joyful. Paul is joyful and he loves this church. As I said before, he didn't love every church. Well, he did love every church. He had issues with some other churches. Uh, he gave the Corinthians, as I said before, the bombastic side eye. They were a trip. But Paul was happy with the Philippians. This letter is a letter of friendship. It's a letter of, of joy. It's a letter he's writing to, if I can use my um, urban vernacular, he's writing to his homies. He's writing to his posse. This is a letter of friendship. Remember, Paul is writing from jail to friends who did not forget about him. Um, I, you probably don't know this, but I know a number of individuals who have been forgotten in difficult situations, and Paul was not forgotten by his friends. He wants to encourage this church to remain faithful to Jesus. It's difficult to remain faithful to Jesus sometimes, to be honest. Let's just be honest. Can I just walk down your aisle for a moment? I know we come to chapel. Some of us come reluctantly, amen, somebody, but not you. You're here. You're here today, so you want to be here. But it's difficult at times. Life can be hard. Opposition can cause us to not be faithful to Jesus. But in this text, Paul wants us to know that we can have joy. And in order to have joy, there must be a proper response to motives. That's my first point. In order to have joy, we must have a proper response to motives. That's right. We have to make sure that we respond to motives appropriately. Let's look at verse 15. Verse 15, Paul says this, to be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Paul opens this paragraph of scripture saying that there are people in his world preaching the gospel in the wrong way. In fact, in this verse, he names two ways that people preach the gospel inappropriately. And that is out of envy and rivalry. The text says they are preaching the right message with the wrong motives. Their motives are off. Let me just take a break right here and ask you a question. How, how are your motives? When, when you do what you do in life, whether it be singing or teaching or preaching or leading or working or classwork or relationships, whatever it is, are you doing this with the wrong motives? All right, this might hurt, so let me just ask it another way. Do you know people who are doing things with the wrong motives? The text is like, yep, that happens. Do not be surprised. 
And there are people who preach the gospel with sincerity too. They preach out of love. Ah, love. It is this idea that people who preach with sincerity preach out of delight. They're happy to preach the gospel. They are happy to proclaim the power of the gospel. They are delighted to brag on God. They are not trying to compete against anyone. You are not my competition in the kingdom. You see, there are people who understand the importance of the family win. Everyone say the family win. If you win, we win, and all we do is win, win, win. Somebody said that before. And ultimately, God wins. Ain't no competition or envy in the kingdom of God. But let's be honest. Let's be honest. That is not easy, right? Oh, come on. Don't look at me like that. Do not look at me like that. It's not easy. Not competing with other people isn't easy. It's hard to stay focused on mission. We think if someone is winning, that takes away from our shine. We think if someone is winning, that takes away from our advancement. We think if someone else is gifted and they get the accolades and the applause, that means that we uh, are not valuable in the kingdom. But let's look at the text. Let's see what the text is tailored to teach us. Let's see what matters most. Paul said, in verse 16, that people with the right motives preach and live out of love. Out of love. In verse 17, we're introduced to another word, and that is selfish ambition. Now you have to talk back to me. Everyone say selfish ambition. Text says, others who preach out of envy and rivalry preach out of selfish ambition. And rivalry are um, and envy are always about getting uh, the upper hand, getting the credit, me being seen, me competing against you. And love says they can get the credit. Love says God can get the credit. Love says they can be seen. Love says God needs to be seen. Love says it's okay, they can be honored. Love says God needs to be honored. The first thing you must know when facing joy, I mean opposition, you must have the right response to motives. and You must focus on the mission. Someone say focus on the mission. It's so easy to get off mission. There are things that cause me, I'm going to put myself on display, to get off of mission, to move away from mission. Sometimes we can spend too much time focusing in on someone else's thing or wanting someone else's life that we neglect to be grateful for what God has given us to do. Here's some don'ts to live by. Don't spend your time focusing in on what other people are doing and be distracted from what God has for you to do. And don't be jealous. I will. Don't be jealous. 
Focus on what Christ has called you to do. Christ has a calling for your life. Christ has a purpose for your life. Christ has a mission for your life. I'm coming in hot this morning. I'm sorry. Christ has given you a mission. You have been given a mission by God. Ultimately, we heard yesterday, the first mission is to love God. And the second mission is to love others. That is your mission. Christ has given you a mission. And out of that, he gives you specific callings. And he gives you a mission. But sometimes we get distracted and start competing and comparing. I love what uh, Dr. Crawford Loritz says. He says, what God has for me, it is for me. Therefore, I do not need to compete or compare. I don't have to do that. If you want to have joy and opposition, you must have a proper emphasis on mission. You see, in the context of Philippians 1, 15 through 20, the apostle Paul is facing opposition. He has people preaching the gospel. Check this out. For the wrong reasons. They are they are preaching so the apostle Paul, who is already in jail, will get persecuted more. But let's check out what Paul says. The text says in verse 18, what does it matter? What does it matter? Some days, again, I live like, again, too concerned about things that don't truly matter. I mean, it matters to me that people are winning and I'm not. It matters to me that people get the credit and I don't. Is anybody here? Oh, you're not going to say you're with me. But is anybody here with me on that? It matters to me. But guess what Paul said? Paul said, it does not matter. The text says, it does not matter. Stay focused on what really matters. All right, cool. All right, cool. So what matters? I'm glad you asked that profound question this morning. Let's look at the text. Verse 18, it says, first of all, their motives don't matter. What else does it say? It says, what matters is that Christ is being proclaimed. I love what the Message Bible says here. It says, I've decided that I really don't care about their motives, whether mixed, bad, or indifferent. Every time the ops, that's my emphasis, opens their mouth, Christ is proclaimed. So I just, my emphasis, cheer on the haters. That's what I do. Give them a, listen, give them a hand clap. Clap your hands and celebrate them. If they are advancing the mission of God, guess what? They're advancing what you care most about. Cheer on people. Even the people who might not cheer you on. Do you know people like that? I mean, you cheering them on, you giving them hand claps, you celebrating them. You're like, yeah. And then when you do something, like, hmm, that was okay. That was mid. It's like, really? You're not going to give me any celebration? Here's my challenge to you. It is maturity that says, even if you don't celebrate me, I'm going to celebrate you. In fact, I'm going to outdo you in showing celebration. I'm going to cheer you on. Am I saying to stay in an environment where it's unhealthy and you constantly are trying to fix people? No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that sometimes you have to say, you know what? I'm going to be so mature 
that I'm going to celebrate you even if you don't celebrate me. Because ultimately, ultimately, it's about King Jesus anyway. Number three, praise God that the mission of God is exploding in other people's lives. Because if the mission of God is exploding in their life, guess what? The gospel is being advanced. Well, what also matters? What also matters is the same God who is at work in them is at work in you. Therefore, you should have a posture of praise because God is at work in your life. I'm going to say it again. God is at work in your life. Philippians 1, 6 says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What else matters? What else matters is you know who holds your future. God holds your future. Some of us are worried about school and future and careers, and worried about what's, what's next. Can, can I encourage you today? I, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds your future. It is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who holds your future. The last I checked, when he holds you, he's not going to let you go. Come on, somebody. You can have the confidence to know that if God is holding your future, you will be all right. I hear Ty Trippett saying, it's going to be all right. Yeah. It's going to be all right. Yeah, I'm different. Anyway, okay. Don't worry about it. God holds your future. What matters is that you know that there is power in prayer. There is power in prayer. We see it modeled in the life of Paul. What else matters is that you know that the Holy Spirit will help you. God has given us the third person of the Trinity of the Godhead to literally live on the inside of us. Can you, like, let's just think about this, that the God of the universe, the God who created sun, moon, stars, the God who said, let there be and there was out of nothing, literally lives on the inside of us, every one of us, if you name the name of Jesus, you have the God of the universe living on the inside of you. That ought to change the way that we think, change the way that we talk, change the way that we walk, change the way that we live, change the way that we uh, live in this world, change the way that we're in this school, change our community. The God of the universe lives on the inside of us. The God, God, Emmanuel, God with us is living on the inside of us to help us accomplish the mission that he's placed on our lives. During a recent parent-teacher conference, um, my daughter faced some interference with her mission from peers attempting to uh, divert her attention. Um, her teacher's wise advice was, uh, was branded in my heart and my mind. She said, tell them to mind their own bobber. 
Now, this fishing analogy speaks to uh, the importance of staying focused on your mission. In other words, to keep your eyes on your bobber when fishing. If, if you look at someone else's bobber, you might, you might miss a bite that's on your fishing line. This powerful principle, mind your own bobber, echoes the essence of maintaining focus on your mission. How many people miss their mission because uh, they're fishing, but they're not looking at their reel. They're looking at someone else's reel. Let me encourage you today. Look at your own mission, what God has for you. It is for you. Tell somebody it is for you. It is for you. Mind your own bobber. Stay focused on your mission. To have joy in our position. You must have the proper response to motives, a proper emphasis on mission. And then lastly, you must be intentional about exalting Christ. You know what gets me about the Apostle Paul? It's the fact that he could have exalted himself. He could have lifted himself up. He could have said, listen, those people, they got me in jail. They preaching the gospel wrongly. Go get them, man. He didn't do it. He could have encouraged the church of Philippi to contend and fight with the people who were proclaiming the gospel with shady motives. Now, in some um, epistles, he did that. He called them, you know, watch out for the dogs. Watch out for these people. He did that. But in this text, he did not do that. He could have really leaned into mistreating some shady people. But what does he do instead? He, by the power of the Holy Spirit, exalts Christ. He says, my eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything. One thing that fights against expectation and hope is shame. Living with shame will destroy expectation and hope in God and cause you to live a joyless life. The text says, I expect and hope that I will not be ashamed about anything. Paul is in jail, about ready to go on trial to see what his fate will be. And he says, I will not be ashamed about anything. Anything is what we need to know. And that is this. We can have expectation and hope. Because Christ will not shame us. There's a generation of people who have experienced so much shame in their lives. and They walk with their heads down because of the experiences that they have. And the truth of the matter is they see God. Let me just talk about myself. There have been times in my life where I saw God as someone who was like a cosmic judge ready to annihilate me not ready to pick me up and say, I, I got you. Paul has this healthy relationship with the God of the universe and he has expectation and hope because he knows that God will not let him down. I did not say that people did not let him down. I said that God will not let him 
down. We have to have so much wisdom and discernment to know when people let us down and when God lets us down. And sometimes we allow the failures of people to uh, cause us to see God in, in a way uh, that is not healthy. God is not shaming you this morning. God has his eye of love turned towards you this morning. And that's exactly why Paul said, I will not be ashamed about anything. We can have expectation and hope because Christ will not shame us. Christ does not shift on us. Christ does not shame us. Christ does not move us along. Christ does not mistreat us. He will meet and exceed our hope and expectation even in the midst of difficult situations. Not only this, the text says, but that now as always with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. This speaks to one being consumed with the desire to exalt Christ. You see, Paul faced opposition with joy because his motive was to exalt Christ. The text says that Christ will be highly honored and exalted in my body. The only thing that matters to Paul is that Christ is highly exalted, highly honored in his body. Paul is consumed with this passion to make Christ known, even in the midst of being in a a difficult situation. It reminds me of what this guy who was a part of this significant revival, Count Zinzendorf, says. He said, I have one passion. It is he and he alone. You see, when the text says highly honored, it can mean exalted or, or magnified or esteemed or, or praised. The text said, what matters most is that Christ is praised in my life, both now and forever. I have a passion. I have a fire to exalt Christ. I have a passion. I have a fire to exalt the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I have a passion and a fire to make his name famous. And this passion comes from the fire of the Holy Spirit. Hot take moment, all right? Hot take moment, all right? You ready for it? I love to eat an omelet every morning, all right? That's the first thing during the week, especially here in the calf. It's... Man, shouts to the chef. He does an amazing job. He'll be like, I already know what you want. I'm like, what? Dude, you are cold with it. Like, I like the clap. Some are like, well, you like that? Don't, don't judge me. Shouts to the chef. He's amazing. But here, here's the hot take. Here's the hot take. I love to put hot sauce on my omelet. I, I, lo- I, love, I love hot sauce on my omelet. Not because, so don't go over there saying this, not because the omelet isn't seasoned well. It's seasoned well. I absolutely love the chef there. It's amazing. But So it's not about the seasoning. It's, I, I love the fire on the omelet. I do. 
I just love the fire. It does something to my, uh, my internal organs. Come on here, somebody. It, 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 it takes the dish to the next level. It, it does something to me. It does something to my taste buds. My God, just the, the heat on my tongue does something to me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's something about that hot sauce on that omelet. Here's what I want to say to you. Jesus wants us to be on fire for him. He wants us to put some hot sauce on our relationship with him. Let me say that another way. Jesus is putting hot sauce on our relationship with him because he poured out the fire of the Holy Spirit on our lives. He wants us to be on fire. Listen, Jesus wants us to be on fire in this place. He wants to put the fire of the Holy Spirit on us so we can exalt Jesus. Here's the deal. I'm learning, y'all, and I'm about to close. And let's stand. In fact, let's just stand. He wants us to have the fire of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us so that we can exalt Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. That's what he wants for us and from us. Can I be, can I be real? For many years, um, I have tried so hard to have an amazing relationship with Jesus. And I teach, shameless plug, next fall I'll teach this class as well. I teach a cross-cultural homiletics. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm being taught. I'm being taught. I have seven students in this class. They've preached three times this semester. And every time they preach, there's something profound that happens to my heart. I tell them, and I'm not joking, I tell them, you could take my job right now. That's how phenomenal a lot of these students are. One thing I've noticed about them and their preaching now, and I'm learning, is that a lot of the language that they say is like, hey, we don't have to strive anymore. Like, we don't have to, like, uh, work ourselves into favor. God has favored us. We don't have to like strive to be in this um, favorable position with God. If you accept Jesus, uh, God sees you now as son and daughter. And the Lord, as I was uh, preparing to, today, he, he, he reminded me, I was reading actually Gordon Fee's commentary on Philippians, and Gordon Fee said something significant to me that reminded me of the class And that is Gordon Fee said, you can't exalt Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of us are trying to live the Christian life. Let me apply this in another way. A lot of us are trying to live the Christian life in in our own power and our own strength. And so what Christ says to us is that if you want to exalt Jesus in your life, you can take the pressure off of yourself and ask God to give you the fire of the Holy Spirit so that you can live in a way that exalts Christ. 
So today we have prayer and we have three minutes. So what I'm going to ask, uh, if someone can jump on the piano, what I'm going to ask is for us to pray about some things. All right. I'm going to ask for us to pray that God would help us to evaluate our motives, that God would help us to focus on our mission and that God would help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to exalt Jesus' name higher than we ever have before. Is there anybody here under the sound of my voice, if you're with me, who's just ready to exalt Christ? Yo, I'm so tired of just this churchy stuff and religion that doesn't add any kind of value. I want the power of God. I'm tired of the same old Christianity that's dull and boring, that doesn't do anything for my spiritual life. Is there anybody here that just needs joy this morning? We've talked about joy for so many weeks. And the thing is, joy is supernatural. If you want joy, sometimes you can't work for it. You can't strive for it. You just need to ask for it. And today, I'm asking that God would explode joy in our lives like never before. Can you just lift up your hands right there? In fact, if you want, just come on down to the altar. And let's just worship God for a moment. Let's just exalt God for a moment. Maybe you need a, a mission. Maybe maybe you need to learn how to exalt Christ. Maybe maybe your motives have been off. Can you just come on down and just, if you're not coming down, just lift up your hands right there. And let's just receive from the Lord right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to turn this room into a prayer room. Is that alright? Let's turn this room into a prayer room. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, we need you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.